This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another World of UX podcast. This is your host, Darren Hood. Thanks, everyone, for taking the time to join us on today. A special welcome, those of you listening for the first time. Welcome to the podcast. Glad you took time out of your schedule to partake of the content on today. We are continuing with the Sinister series. This is, I do believe, the 15th episode of this series. We are about to come into the home stretch and we are going to cover a handful of topics on today including the 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 uh, prelude if you will uh one two three four five topics and sub elements associated with these topics that we're going to cover on today but before we get into this i want to give sort of a different type of an intro this week because this week everything that we're going to talk about revolves around education. It revolves around the learning experience when it comes to user experience. Uh, And so it's one thing for somebody to talk about education. It's another thing for somebody to prove to you that they're qualified to talk about it. And this is part of what I want to really address today. But before I get into these, again, one, two, three, four, double checking, five, five different things that are going on in today's sinister culture of UX with regard to education is I want to double back. And I've talked about this before, but I just want to spend a few minutes telling you about my qualifications to talk about this subject. See, there's a lot of people who attempt to educate and attempt to talk about education, attempt to critique education, but they're not really qualified to do it. And so While people who are not qualified, and I'm not knocking people necessarily for that, it doesn't mean that people who aren't qualified can't say something that's of value. It is possible, but because of what I'm going to say, I do think it's critically important for you to understand my background with regard to these things. So you understand, you always have to understand what's behind someone's statements. If a person is qualified to make those statements, then I'm, you should, you and I, have to add extra weight to what it is that they're talking about. If a person isn't qualified, then it's critical to take weight away and possibly even ignore what it is that's being presented. Otherwise, you end up partaking of things. I mean, would you go to a restaurant if the people in the back couldn't cook? Would you go to a dentist if they really aren't good at it and have a ton of terrible reviews everywhere? And you have friends that went there and they had terrible experiences. Would you go and have your car repaired or serviced at a place where the people really aren't that qualified, aren't they good? They're just some Joe Blow who's who's got hired to to do some of the work and maybe even fake their way into the position. There's this thing of accountability that's frowned upon today, which we've alluded to this to an extent, because, again, that's what gatekeeping is really about. It's it's about quality assurance and and about accountability. And a lot of people don't like accountability because they don't qualify. That's why people fight against gatekeeping in general. Um, when they're, they don't even know they're fighting against it. They, they usually misdefine gatekeeping. And we've, we talked about that, but people fight against things because it keeps them from having access. They know they're not qualified. They know they don't deserve it flat out, 
They know that they don't meet the requirements, but they want access. So they try to gain access by any means necessary, including coming against the people who are the loudest when it comes to presenting these things, these qualifications, if you will, um, because they know that they can't, they don't have entry otherwise. And instead of going to do something that they really qualify for, they, for some reason, would rather be in an arena where they're not. So if we want to have peace (laughs) in the way that we're operating and living today, those types of things have to be in place. And that's the end of that. But I want to talk for a couple minutes. This is who Darren Hood is when it comes to education. Number one, I have been training people in professional workspaces since 1982. Did you get that? No, I'm giving my age a little bit here, but I have been training people in the professional world since 1982. Number one. Number two, I am trained to be an educator. I have five education-related certifications, including, I'm only mentioning a couple, master trainer. I'm a certified master trainer, and I am also certified in educational technology. Now, the next, I am a doctoral candidate. I am a PhD candidate in the world of education. So when I talk to somebody about education, I'm not speaking off the cuff. I am not giving amateurish perspectives. I am well-versed, extremely well-versed when it comes to education. I know how it's supposed to be structured. I know how the optimal learning experience is supposed to be achieved. So when people like me say something, if you're planning on excelling, You really need to make sure that you're paying strict attention. It doesn't mean not to vet things out. It doesn't mean that we want you to take what's being said at face value, but it does tell you that there's reason to give this great consideration because of what's behind it, that this is not uh, an untrained perspective. It's not an amateurish perspective. It's not something that that should be taken lightly. So, Those things said, I'm glad I was able to get that done quickly. Let's go through the five education-related sinister traits at work today in UX. And number one for today and number 48 on the list. Folks who are teaching today, there's a lot of folks, I should say, that are teaching in UX that flat out should not be teaching. They're getting greenlit from someone somewhere to do teaching, or they have decided to teach on their own, and so nobody's going to stop them. I mean, you can you can set up courses on Udemy or Chegg or other places, and I, I think that's how Chegg works. I know Udemy does. You can just sell a course and put a course out there, roll it out. Nobody, nobody at Udemy is going to stop you. So (laughs) there you have a lot of people teaching who shouldn't be teaching. You have people who set up their own little communities trying to teach. They shouldn't be teaching. They're not teaching. You have people who are even seasoned UX professionals who are trying to teach and they actually don't understand the science behind education. When, When people don't understand the science behind education, the chances of that learning experience is actually uh, being beneficial 
to the partakers is actually not very high. And in some instances, it, it's in the negatives. There, there's no chance you're going to have a good experience. So these things need to be understood. I mean, when the boot camps got started, and no, we're not picking on boot camps. We're just citing facts. When the boot camps got started, they recognized they had a great idea and they got involved and established. They actually, many of these boot camps, let me double back. The boot camps were already, a lot of them, they were already teaching people how to be programmers. Now, that is a finite science, and that's easier to structure. I mean, learning experience still requires certain components, and those are presentation, where someone is being presented with the material that that they're set to learn. Then step two is application. People need to have an, an opportunity to practice what was presented to them. And then there is the feedback loop. Number three, step three, or part three of a proper learning experience, where people get feedback, how well did you do, where can you improve, things of that nature. And and when a person is trying to learn something, they keep going through that same cycle. They repeat it or they do it and they advance to the next level. That's how, that's the science in general. That's the science behind a proper learning experience. When a learning experience lacks presentation, application, and feedback, and that, that has to do with the proper structure of each of those segments. It has to do with the right information being presented. Somebody can actually present something, include presentation, application, and feedback, but if the information presented or the steps provided are not accurate, then it doesn't qualify as a proper learning experience. So yeah, somebody can have the proper the proper science and it's still not it's still not there. And and that's why you have people who are, oh, I've got 25 years and I'm going to give you a course that does this, this, and that. But if the information that's presented is biased, does that constitute a learning experience? No, it, it actually it actually doesn't. And, and the people that are partaking are now being set on a path that is going to be counterproductive and they're going to have to unlearn things. And they may have done a lot of damage in trying to apply those learnings. So just something else that, that's critical to note. But again, there are teachers and people who do understand the science behind the education, but then there's people who don't. And so when folks don't understand it, now that's the people that are teaching that shouldn't be teaching. Now, there are some people that are actually functioning as teachers and they're delivering content that was produced and developed by people who did know. It is possible to have a good learning experience in such cases, but it'll be on the lower end of the spectrum because when that experience becomes dynamic, i.e. when someone has a question that that person that's teaching that doesn't have the actual know-how in that arena is not going to be in a position to answer those questions. So uh, keep that in mind as well. There are a lot of people who think that having experience automatically translates into the ability to teach. That is not true. That's probably one of the biggest uh, areas of non-compliance, if you will, where people think, oh, I've been doing this for such and such uh, amount of time. Sure, I can teach it. No. And one of the reasons, ironically, some people will get a kick out of this. One of the reasons, I mean, I was always taught when I was getting my earlier certifications that it's not a good idea to have an expert teach something. And the reason why they said this was because the people that are experts don't empathize with learners. Isn't that ironic? Empathy, that thing that's at the core of what we do as user experience professionals. 
if people don't have empathy, they're not going to be able to exercise the patience that the learners need in order to succeed. So that's where that comes from. Can an expert teach? It's possible. Yes. I mean, I think that personally, I think I'm able to do it because I'm trained in instructional design, which is what we call it. I'm trained in instructional design, so I know how to put the instructional designer hat on or the trainer hat on when when it's necessary and when to put the UXer hat on when it's necessary and when to put the LXer hat on when it's necessary. I know how to do those things. Everybody doesn't. So that's where you you have the problem. So, so it's not good. And, and you've seen it before, I'm sure. You think back in your history of being trained, times when the person knew stuff like the back of their hand, and they just didn't know how to to really be patient with and empathize with learners. They they know it like the back of their hand, and they get frustrated because somebody else isn't quite getting it. And and so that's something that a dynamic that gets overlooked a lot of times. Another aspect of this folks teaching who shouldn't be teaching is that many people think that one of the best ways to learn is to teach. A lot of these people, number one, that's false. That is grossly false. And the people who endorse such a thing don't know a lot about the science behind education. They don't know the science behind learning experiences. And they think that, you know, just go out there and and, and teach somebody. Even, even people that are learning, they'll say, hey, you want to get better at that? Go and teach it to somebody. But when the person that's teaching doesn't really know what they're teaching, they're going to they're gonna actually sort of kind of convey, transmute, if you will. They're going to impute that lack of confidence to their learners. They don't know. When you don't know, don't step into a position of authority. When you don't know, stay where you belong, earn your way to that position, and teach when you can. Teach when you are in a position to actually lead someone in that setting. We got way too many people doing that today. The best way to learn is not to teach. The best way to learn is to go and practice. And don't come back and say, well, I want to practice teaching. No, that's not. No, no. Uh, Teaching is like being a a doctor. You don't get in the position to impact someone's well-being until you know what you're doing. So the same thing actually does apply in education. Don't put yourself in that position until you have actually ascended to a state of confidence and, 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 and excellence that allows you to be in that position. I also heard somebody say once, the fourth bullet point under this one, I heard somebody say once, and, and I respect the person greatly, and uh, just because you respect somebody doesn't mean that they're going to be right all the time about everything, and you don't have to see them as being right all the time, and them not being right doesn't mean that you have less respect for them. I want to preface this by saying that, but I heard somebody say that the way that older people learned that many older pe- people learn, the ways they learn, the way we learn, is actually outdated. That is grossly false. Every learning experience, go back to the year 1242. When people learn then, it was through presentation, application, and feedback, the best learning experiences. The other people who did trial and error actually worked too hard to get to the point of expertise. If you want to get to expertise faster, you have to go through presentation, application, and feedback. In the year 1462, presentation, application, feedback. 1820, presentation, application, feedback. 1941, 
presentation application feedback. 2000 presentation application feedback. 2024 presentation application feedback. You know why? Because the human brain basically doesn't change. So the road to expertise comes through presentation application feedback. It has not changed. Everybody learns the same exact way, no matter how old you are, no matter what it is you're learning, presentation application feedback is the way to proceed. So let's know and understand that today. And the way that I learned when I was coming up, it doesn't change. The same people are doing the same. People are doing the same exact thing today. So don't fall for that, especially when it's being presented to you by people who do not uh, excel in, nor have they been trained in uh, the the science of of uh, the instructional design. It just doesn't. And, and it's funny that you have people who want, they don't want you to learn the wrong things about UX and then go and make a statement about education when that's not their arena of expertise. It simply isn't. And just like people who don't have any expertise in UX shouldn't be teaching. Uh, people who don't have expertise in education shouldn't be making comments about education as if they are. They're actually guilty of the same thing that they're saying about, about UXers. So let us know, understand, and keep that in mind if we want to be safe and we want to excel today. So that's it for that particular topic. Number 49 and number two for today. There's a lot of faux educational resources, piggybacking on number 48. There are things that people are saying, things that are being produced, resources that are being provided that are anything but true UX resources, UX learning resources. And first and foremost, a lot of times you'll see a lot of folks posting on social media and they'll say, hey, you want to learn tips how to improve your UX UI? Anytime somebody says that, I don't care who it is. I don't care what it is. Take a step back. You're going to become infected. Even if the thing, some of the things they're saying have value, they also presented something. It's like putting arsenic in somebody's drink or something. No, we're not endorsing it. We're trying to give you a, a metaphorical example. If there's something tainted in the presentation, that means you're partaking of something that's tainted. So that means that, I mean, if you have a choice, would you rather partake of something that's tainted or would you rather partake of something that's pure? If you, I've actually seen people, I've seen questionnaires where people say, would you rather learn something that has, that that's partially false or just learn from something that is really pure and doesn't have any problems? People actually said, I don't mind learning from something that's flawed. That's ridiculous. That's insane. Why would somebody opt in? And people were saying that they would. That's a bad way to go. That's a bad way to proceed. That is not how, I mean, if you were paying to get an education, why would you opt in to learning something that's flawed? So you don't want to do that today. And those resources should be avoided at all costs. I've even sounded off. I've seen people on social media say, hey, come over here and get some UX UI tips. And I'll respond and I'll say, hey, there's no such thing as UX, UI. The person will ignore me and keep saying the same exact thing and post additional tips saying the same exact thing. So either that person is a bot, so then they're not going to pay attention, or they're a bot. I mean, do you get that? Either they're a real bot 
and they use a fake person persona, if you will, because the person doesn't exist. They're they're pasting tips, uh, running you or referring you to their resources. That does happen. Or the person is a human being, but they don't lack critical thinking, basically making them a robot. So they're not going to pay attention. They're going to ignore anything and anybody is saying that's criticizing their resources. And and then I got to ask you, do you really want to pay attention to a person like that? Who's ignoring things they're trying to help you grow, but they don't want to grow. What what does that tell you about them as a resource? So any resource, again, that's saying things like learn tips, improve your UX slash UI, you want to avoid them at all costs. The second and final bullet point under number 49 If there's someone that can't be pure at the point of marketing somewhat, I sort of already said this, but didn't say it this way. If they're they're impure at the point of marketing, you have no idea what cesspool awaits if you opt into their resources. So these faux educational resources claiming to educate you, but saying something at the marketing level that lets you know that they're not looking out for your best interest, then it's actually a good idea to pass that thing by nothing to see here so let's keep that in mind number 50 there are people out here that make excuses you you, you'll i have let people know that they're teaching people the wrong things you shouldn't be stressing that because it's presenting a problem it's causing people to have to go back and clean up some spilled milk as they're, as they're advancing themselves. And, and and they'll say things like, well, at least the people who are partaking, at least they'll get a good start. I want you to, people who believe that, people who say that, look back on things that you learn. And, and I know there are people who, as I said, who will, who will say, I don't mind going a direction if I know it's wrong. At least I'm getting somewhere. Since when is going in a direction that is flawed and or that that you know to be flawed, a good start. Look at other things you did. How, how many times have we said, man, I wish I had known X. I would, I could have saved some time. I could have saved some money. I could have saved some headaches. We know the cost, but why is it that people, especially when it comes to them promoting something, why is it that when you're promoting something, it's okay for people to to have some hardship along with that, some some hardship that could have been avoided. So this is something that, that's not a good idea. A good start isn't a good start if it contains flaws. That's not a good start. I hear all the time people uh, who went through Google and recognized that that was a poor program say, man, I wish I could have avoided that. The people who who find out, the people who learn, a lot of them learned on their own. That was actually a bad way to go. That was actually a waste of my $49 a month. Why would you throw away $49 a month? At that stage, you likely don't have a lot of money to be wasting. Why would you waste? Couldn't you have spent that $50 on something else a month? So it, it doesn't, that's that's not logical at all. And you're entering into a discipline that, that calls for critical thinking, that calls for heightened senses of logic. So why would you want to build in your foundation Something that's illogical doesn't make a lot of sense there. And a lot of people think that they'll say, second point, that learning something is better than nothing. Uh, but that And that could be true, 
But is it true when you're sending somebody down a what's really amounts to a compromised path? Well, the answer is no. So, so let's not make excuses for teaching people the wrong things. If you're teaching people the wrong things, you're wrong. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of goodwill. And so let's do everything we can to send people down proper paths instead. Number 51 and number four for today. Real seniors are out here. This this one's really sad. Abandoning the their principles with the willingness to engage in predatory and misleading propaganda. This is some dangerous, dangerous stuff, especially when you consider the fact that a lot of people, they, they will opt into what a person says if they are considered to be a proven brand. When you have people out there saying, hey, everybody's a designer, and then people, because the person's saying it, because there's one person in particular that's known for stressing that. And when a person does that, when a person says that, and people are going to buy into what the person is saying, simply because the person has a brand name that everybody supposedly recognizes, that's a bad idea, a very bad idea. And that's why we call it a sinister trait. Everybody's not a designer. If everybody's not a designer, why do we need designers? And you probably see it catch in that what I'm getting at, uh, because a lot of people do believe that everybody's a designer. And so the real designers basically get discarded, discounted, cast aside because they don't think that they need you. They don't they don't think that that expertise has any value because everybody's a designer mindset actually makes the real designers it, it, it takes the perception of their value, it, the perception of our value, it squashes it. It throws it out. And then people embrace the non-designers because truth be told, anybody can design something, design air quotes around that. Uh, and, and because anytime anybody attempts to design, something is going to be produced. It's not until that thing actually is out there and the rubber is meeting the road and people are actually using it that they find out that it was a wasted effort and that it was a terrible attempt at designing something and that it should have been left to the experts. It's not until then, but by now, you spent how many tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars, how many millions are spent before folks find out that we really went about this the wrong way. You don't have designer's remorse when the right people do the work. You simply don't. And so that, that's one example. Another example is when you have known experts, or at least behind the name, hiding behind the persona of a known expert, claiming that we need to have a sense of urgency about AI and then trying to educate people about it. It's, do we need to have a sense of urgency about AI? No more do we have, need to have a sense of urgency about usability. Our, our priorities as UX professionals doesn't change because something new hit the market. It really doesn't. I mean, AI needs UX. Someone put a wonderful post out about that recently. The AI that's being pushed on people in mass has not been UXed. Anything that has not been subjected to proper UX evaluation is a train wreck waiting to happen. So people need to be, be careful about that. And for that reason, we should know that somebody saying that we should have a sense of urgency about AI 
is a false and a misleading statement. But because the most of the people saying it have big names, folks just decide to put the blinders on, don't realize that they're having a cultic response to that statement. Never take your, your critical thinking head off. Never stop examining something. Never stop vetting things out. And as soon as you do, and, and just because a, a supposedly known person in the discipline said it, still doesn't call for doing that. And that person knows that. So they should. If they don't, they should. So these are, again, sinister traits at work in UX, and we need to be careful about that. Never abandon principles. Never abandon fundamentals to embrace some some supposedly popularized mindset. It's a bad way to go, and it doesn't serve the discipline of UX well. Last one, number five for today, and number 52 on the list. We have, akin to number 51, there's a lot of, in the name of education, there are a lot of supposed seniors, seasoned people today spreading misinformation. Examples. There's a lot of lies. I, I mentioned this earlier. There's a lot of lies about gatekeeping. There are people who not only because they know that folks, it's popularized, that people don't like gatekeeping because they think that there's people keeping them out of the discipline, and that's false propaganda in and of itself. Um, but they will they will feed into the lies about gatekeeping. They will present themselves as if, yeah, I don't want that gatekeeping. That's wrong. They'll do that because they're actually making money off of it or they're gaining a reputation by piggybacking on that that deceitful mindset. And so, but that's a sinister trait. I I know people have done it. I've seen people do it. It's not a good thing. If they don't, anybody talking about gatekeeping, that's a supposed senior, a seasoned professional, anybody talking about gatekeeping and not presenting gatekeeping in truth, not telling you what it really is, because nobody should be against quality, quality assurance. That's really all gatekeeping is about. So if anybody is is piggybacking on that popular definition, that incorrect definition, and then they're turning around and profiting, that's a person to be avoided today. That's a person that's hiding behind and embracing sinister traits and then getting rich off of it. So that's bad. People lie about boot camps. They'll say that boot camps are a great place to start. And keep in mind, all boot camps are going to be shocked to hear me say this. All boot camps aren't bad. 98% of them are. But unless you can tap into a boot camp that's actually doing things the right way, which is very difficult to do as a boot camp, um, then unless you're they're tapping in the right way and you you found out that they're tapping into and doing things the right way, boot camps should be avoided at all costs. I, I really wish the good ones would just stop calling themselves boot camps, but that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> you probably you probably can't do that today because a lot of what they're doing, a lot of their structure and their framework. Is similar to what boot camps do, but there are some, there are some, and we're going to be highlighting these and probably have them on the show so we can help you understand who are the boot camps that are doing things the right way, who are trying to bridge the gap. You know, they know you don't want to go to a degree program, but they know you they know you can't spend that money, but you're trying to ramp up in UX and get to a certain level of of, of experience a certain level of skill without going the, the degree route. There are some people that are doing it, but in general, for the most part, 
But I just told you the truth about boot camps. There's people out here telling you that boot camp's a great way to go. They're telling you what's a great start. They're telling you that they got a good start with a boot camp, so you can get a good start. Uh, have them produce some evidence for that because it, it's not really true. And boot camps usually do not provide a, a desirable service, and they usually milk you for quite a few dollars in the in the process, whatever your currency is where you are. So they should be avoided for the most part uh, at all costs. There are people that we already talked about this when they lie and they say that everybody is a designer. Everybody's not a designer. We're not even going to go through that one anymore. You, everybody should know that everybody is not a designer. And so that that's just a, well, it's just a lie. The problem is they're seasoned people that are spreading it. And with the seasoned people spreading that lie, it makes things worse for everybody. There's some people that are saying there's no issue with using the combo acronym, the UX UI acronym, it deceives people, it misleads people, it 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 actually has people thinking that UX UI are interchangeable. It has people thinking that we are as visually focused as we are functionally focused. Those things are not true. And because and when you have seasoned entities and people saying that. I mean, Adobe says it. There's been instances where Google has said it. Any any time that oh, Figma is known for saying UX UI on a regular basis and saying it as if it's not a threat or that it's not problematic, that's not true. So again, that's a sinister trait at work in UX today. And then lastly, and this one, somebody not going to like this, but I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to help people grow themselves and continue down a a proper path in the discipline. But when people tell you that learning how to do something that's needful is difficult, it actually taps into something in the psyche of people. When they hear something is hard, a lot of people will run in the other direction. Does it take work to, to really become acclimated in the discipline, properly acclimated? It does. I'm not going to put the word hard on that because of how people react or respond. I should say <laughs> debating between two words there, how they respond to the word hard and the word difficult. Um, it's going to take some effort to become a genuine UX practitioner. Now, if that frightens you, then UX is not for you. It simply is not for you. I was talking to some people in one of my classes recently, and I said, it takes work. If you're going to, to develop a degree, a level of expertise in UX, it's going to take you a few years. You're not going to get there in two, three years. Can you cover some ground in two, three years? Yes, you can. Are you going to be an expert in two to three years? No, you're not. That's another reason why people who have don't have a certain amount of experience at one time, you had to have more than 10 years to be declared a senior. Today, there's people who've been on jobs for six months and they get a senior title. That That's not possible. And everybody needs to know and understand that. So, but when people try to make people feel better or, or just even present the concept of hard in conjunction with trying to achieve a certain level of expertise, a lot of people, they actually abandon that. They, they, they're they done 
<laughs> at that point. They, they don't want anything to do with that. And then there's a group of people that they're willing to take on a title that implies they know more or have more expertise. Uh, they're willing to do that without doing the associated work. And, and, and those mindsets are sinister, basically, when it comes to UX. Uh, I even had an interaction with somebody once where they were talking about how it's hard to learn critical thinking. Then it's just going to take some work. Who cares how hard it is? That I find that irrelevant. If you know you need to achieve that, if you know you need to be good at critical thinking to excel in the discipline, forget about how hard it is. Just get to work. And we don't even need to talk about anything else. And then somebody responded to my statement with this complex formula that you only see in peer-reviewed papers. That That's a problem. Because when people see that, they disconnect. They disconnect. And it also presents a, a level of supremacy associated with that. That okay, if you don't do the this form, if you don't can't digest this formula, you're not going to get there. It, it's it's pretty eccentric to present something like that. All I have to say is get to work. I'm done. Get to work now. If you don't want to get to work, you're not going to get there. Period. But you do have to get to work. But I'm not going to present some complex formula. Because it it, it, it it actually draws a line and makes it elitist is what I was trying to think of earlier. It makes achieving that level of functionality in the discipline an elitist accomplishment. And we don't want to convey that at all. It is an absolute requirement. If you want to excel, you're got, you've got to do it. You're going to do it. And we need to know and understand that today. So anybody who's with us on that, they'll opt in. Anybody who's not, opt out. But there's a line in the sand, if you will, with regard to that and those that are going to achieve that type of expertise. Okay, let's let's get busy. That's it. Short, sweet, simple. So let's leave it at that. But folks, that's it for today. Uh, it took us roughly between the intro and, the, and, and all the content, it took us roughly 38 minutes <laughs> to cover all of that. So there we are. Uh, but again, thank you for taking the time to join us on today. Again, we are coming into the home stretch. We're going to try to cover several because our last two topics that we're going to cover are so big that we have to dedicate entire episodes to those. But we're going to try to lightning round it again next month just to sort of move through some of the upcoming topics relatively quickly and then save some time for these critical bookend topics that we're going to be covering when it comes to the sinister culture uh, um, that's at work today in UX. So thanks for taking the time to join us on today. Look forward to you tapping in next time. Fill your, your friends in in the UX community about the podcast. Crazy stuff goes viral. Why not truth, <laughs> right? <laughs> so until next time, it is time to sign off today. But this is Darren Hood the host of The World of UX, wishing everyone all the best. And until then, happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.